Hey, welcome to the Hamilton Hills Church Podcast. We're so glad that you decided to listen today. We have a saying in our church, life is messy, everyone is welcome, and anything is possible. So no matter where you're at in your life, we hope that this message brings you some encouragement. Enjoy. Many of you know that uh, a couple weeks ago I was in Ecuador, and if you've heard my stories of missions trips, I love to go on missions trips. I think every uh, person in our church ought to go on a missions trip. Uh, I just don't think you should eat the food when you're there on a missions trip in the name of Jesus. I go on like two missions trips a year. Someone asked me, well, what is your plan for losing weight? It's to go on missions trips. And uh, I eat protein bars and drink water, and it's the healthiest I am. And everybody makes fun of me, and always one person gets sick uh, because they messed with the uh, man of God. Uh, I'm just kidding. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Uh, but we were, we were waiting on a bus on this missions trip, and uh, it, it was cooler in the morning, and it, and it warmed up during the day, so uh, the sun was beating down, took off my jacket. I stepped into uh, by a restaurant, uh, and I was leaning into the awning, so we were in the shade, and I looked over, and I noticed these people. It was a busy restaurant across the street, and uh, they were in the shade, and uh, people were eating, and people were laughing, seemed to be having a good time. And then I noticed this lady, she was trying to sell food, and so she was going around to the tables, and she was trying to give people samples of her food and try and get them to buy it. Of course, the people said, no thank you, or like I like to say in Spanish, no mas, and uh, that means no more. Uh, uh, Did you like that? I knew some Spanish. Uh, Anyway, uh, it doesn't get any better than this, people, so you got to pay attention. And, and so they were eating, and, and they said, no, thank you, and, and you could say it to their hand motions, and she was getting frustrated because she was trying to sell food, and out in the sun, there was people walking by, people were thirsty, I'm sure people were hungry, they were even stopping and looking at the menu, and I had this thought, I thought, what if that lady would step out into the sun, and what if that lady would step out to where the people were hungry and have not sat down at the table to eat, and they were still thinking about where to eat lunch and thinking about where to buy a drink? And what if she, instead of trying to feed the people that are already eating, that she tried to feed the people that were hungry? That caused me to think with church. It caused me to think this, that many churches are feeding people that have already been fed. Many churches are set up for people who are already churched. Many people, uh, many churches are set up for, for people who already have Bible knowledge. Many churches are set up for people who are already feasting at the table, that are already in a small group, that are already serving. And, and many churches are so effective in feeding people that are already fed that it's rendered us useless to the people who are walking the streets in our community that have not been fed spiritually, and we are looking to feed people that have already been fed, and it made me think of church as a whole. I thought of that illustration, and I thought that sounds like a lot of Christians that I know, and it really sounds like a lot of churches I know feeding the already fed. If you feed a child food and they're not hungry, They can't talk, but they get frustrated and they they push it back. 
and moving around the shade with people that have been fed as opposed to getting out into the sunlight, out into the elements of life, out into the messes of life, out into the people who are fast-paced walking by the church, we have a tendency to sit in the church feasting on food and feeding people that are already eating at the table. You see, the church is the table where people come to get fed. The church is the table where spiritual food happens. The church is the table where people come and they bring their brokenness and they're supposed to have spiritual food that heals their broken heart. The church is the table to where people sit around the table from all different colors, all different walks of life, all different economic status, all different values, all different views, and the church is the table that should be the the neutral playing field where the Spirit of God is and where all flesh is moved aside and we feast on what the Spirit of God has for us. You see, the church is the table where people should come to be spiritually fed. In the Old Testament, you have the showbread table. Psalms 23, David said, the Lord will set a table in the presence of our enemies. In the New Testament, you have the disciples reclining at the table during the Last Supper. Then in Revelation 3, you have those of us who are followers of Christ eating with Jesus forever at the table. So you can't get away from the analogy of the table. The table is talked about all through Scripture. It's a metaphor used when feasting on the spiritual things of life. As I said, the the church is the table where people come to get fed. We feed on the bread of life. That's Jesus. We feed on the bread of life. If you can't see it, I just lift it up here. The bread of life. I, I want you to read this passage of scripture with me. It's a very familiar passage of scripture. John chapter number six and verse 35. Would you read it out loud with me? Ready, begin. I am the bread of life. Jesus told them, no one who comes to me will ever be hungry and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. That's a powerful scripture. That's a scripture churches use all the time. I am the bread of life. He uses the analogy of bread, feasting at the table. The table is where people come to get spiritually fed. It's where they come to get off addictions. It's where they come to have marriages healed. It's where they come to have prayers. It's where they come to have unconditional love. It's where they come supposedly to be accepted for just as who they are and leave better than when they came, not because of our personality, not because of our worship, not because of our programs, but because we feasted at the table and we fed them the Spirit of God in this house. That's supposed to be the table. So it's not enough to say, wow, he's the bread of life. I know he's Jesus. It's not enough to just say that I believe that is bread. I believe that is a cosmic carbohydrate. I accept that reality that that is bread. It is much more than that. The word believe means we appropriate it. We digest it. 
we make it a part of our lives, if we are to believe it's so much more than noticing that is real bread, it's so much more than just smelling the bread, but it means we appropriate, we digest, we eat it. It becomes who we are, Jesus followers, meaning our life will change naturally when we feast on the nourishment of who Jesus is. The table. That is how someone becomes a follower of Christ. The church, the table where people come to get fed as the head of the table is the pastor. The shepherd sits at the table. I am the guy with the food. Now, if we're eating physical food, you do not want to eat my food. But spiritually speaking, the pastor is the guy who is feeding the table, preparing the food. There's so much here for me to think about, for our leaders to think about. So much here to serve the food. We have an opportunity. The leaders here have an opportunity. You have an opportunity in small groups. We have an opportunity to serve the food, the bread of life, in a compelling way. I do not believe that feasting on the bread of life should be boring. I do not believe feasting on the bread of life should be a seminary class. I do not believe feasting on the bread of life should be not life-giving. I believe that there's anything passionate that we should be doing more than anything in this world. It should be when the Word of God is open and God's people come to feast at the table. The table should be compelling. The sermon should be compelling. The sermon should be challenging. It should cut you like a knife sometimes to get you to wake up and change your world. Hey, don't get mad at me. Get mad at the Scriptures of God that says, feast on the table. Sometimes you don't like green beans. Sometimes you don't like broccoli. You can walk out the door and say, well, what he meant to say, if I meant to say it, I would have said it that way. Well, what he was really saying, well, I love the spirit of what he said. <laughs> the pastor is the guy with the food. And the gospel should never be a half-baked presentation. Get it? Baked, baked, Anyway. You see, the table is a place where people come to get nourished. The food gives us the fuel to push away from the table. It allows us to do and be who the Lord wants us to be. You have to get fed to keep going. I feel like we have more spiritual obesity in this area than just about anywhere in all the world. We are like the, the, the rest, chain restaurant capital of the world. Anybody out there? If it's a chain restaurant, we've got it. And we eat and we feast. I mean, I, I can't tell you, there is a church on every corner. Every corner, there is a church. There are more churches here than I've ever seen in my life. This is why at first I didn't want to come here. But don't ever say never. I thought I don't want to, I don't want to fight that battle to where if something is off one week, we'll just go eat at someone else's table. But I feel like we have more spiritual obesity. We have more restaurants per capita than most cities, and we are one of the most obese areas in the country. We have a lot of people walking around with spiritual pot bellies. They talk a good game. 
But I have to wonder, are they really believers? I don't know. But I have to wonder if all you do is eat and take and take. There are more faux faith people than I've ever met in my life. People in this area than any place I've ever seen in my So if we have got to have a bunch of church, unchurched people. Everybody's got a church. Everywhere I go. Many of you know I like to study in Starbucks. Some of you have told me there's Christian coffee places. But I like Starbucks. And I go there and I invite people to church and here's an answer. Everybody has an answer. I, yeah, I go to church. Where do you go to church? Um, um, I, I, um, uh, I can't remember. It's that big church, that big church. Well, there's like 80 million big churches. Everybody has a religious background. Everybody has a place to go. We have more faux faith here. More people who think they are going to heaven who in reality are going to hell. Because the Bible tells us what it means to be a believer. A lot of us know a lot about God, but we do not really know what God is all about. Have you ever had anybody over to your house? You don't just say, come over. You do more than that, right? You don't just say, come over. You, you care about them. You, you give them your address. You don't pray, play a prank. If they, if they make it and they figure out where I live, then we'll feed them. That is a good idea, though. No, you say, what's a good time for you? Any food allergies? What do you like? We defer to our guest. Here at Hamilton Hills, we want to defer to our guest. We want everybody. That's why I love people who are sitting in the overflow. I love you who move into the middle. I love the fact that when we change the service times, you're ready to change the service times because the idea is to make room for the guest so the guest can be spiritually fed so it can change the trajectory of their eternity and they can leave their path to hell and head to heaven for eternity. See, the table is the central part of your home. This is actually our family's table. We redid some things in our house, and we have a big empty room. My wife even said last night, don't you think you could have went and bought a table at a garage sale and we could have had our table? No, it's a sermon illustration. Come on, woman, get with it. Paper plates for a month. No, this is our table. Every home, every apartment, every condominium, every house, every mansion, everyone has a table, and that table is the center of where people get fed. The table. This table's been in our home for many, many years. I'll never forget, we've had laughter at the table. If you come up here and you remove this little, whatever that's called, on the table, you'll see a green marker when Stephen was a little boy and he didn't listen to his mom and he colored with a marker and he colored on the table and then the rest is history. It's none of your business. I don't need DCS at my home. Uh, That was a joke. There's marks all over this table. We've had tears at this table. 
We've laughed our heads off. Have you ever tried with little kids to pray at a table? Sometimes you think you're having revival in your home and you go, oh, bless Jesus. Or we have the most godly home. And then the next dinner time, they laugh because someone makes a noise that's inappropriate. There's a burp. There's another sound we won't talk about. Have you ever, oh, come on. I'm the only one that has these issues. The table where there's been a food fight. My wife is Miss Healthy Person. There's been many times when I've winked at one of my children that they could feed their broccoli underneath the table. I'm just confessing sins. You got all quiet on me. The table. Some of the darkest hours of my life, failure as a dad. This is where you've heard the story where I've wrote letters to each of my children in tears at the table. I've read a letter to my wife in front of my children of failure at this table. At the table, people are fed. At the table, hearts are broken. At the table, we realize good times happen in Christ. At the table, things change. At the table, there's hope. At the table, there's grace. At the table, there's peace. At the table, there is change forever and evermore because the bread of life is fed at the table. There are different chairs around the table. This table has two benches because we tried to fit more people around the table. But let's just call this the first chair. Chair one is the chair of people who do not know the Lord. Chair one will be those people who do not have personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We have a lot of churched, unchurched people in this area. We know enough about Jesus to be dangerous, and there are a lot of people, thousands of them, by the way, in our area who do not know the Lord. Let me give you some real facts. You hear me rattle off facts. This is out of our database, at our church, real facts. People who have filled out a card, people in the last 12 months who have come as our guests. Are you ready to put your hands together? Are you ready to get excited? Are you ready to welcome our guests? In the last 12 months, 839 individuals have visited our church for the first time at the table. Come on, you got to do better than that. You got to do better than that. Oh, I'm, this is hard data, hard data. People who have filled out People who have identified as someone who accepted Jesus as their Savior in the last 12 months, there has been 161 people who have stepped forward and said, I am a new Jesus Father. Come on, that's a golf clap. They're sitting in here right now. Why do they come? Why do they come? Because they're drawn. They don't know it, but they're drawn by the aroma of the bread. The smell, the aroma of the bread. Read John 6, 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. It says he draws them. They're drawn by the smell, the aroma of the bread at the table. 
the table where they're fed, they've been drawn by the Lord. Unless the Father who sent me draws him. God has drawn you if you're in chair one. If you are in chair one. If you're here testing us out. If you're here wondering what this is all about. We didn't draw you. God has ordained this moment for you to be sitting here listening to a message on the table because he wants you to know that the bread of life is not religion. The bread of life doesn't come from mama. The bread of life doesn't come from daddy. The bread of life comes from Jesus dying on the cross and defeating death and taking the keys of hell for eternity so that you could be in heaven with him together and you have been drawn into this place today so you could feast at the table and know that he is Lord and he wants a relationship with you today. He does. And so chair one sits at the table. We like to say around here, life is messy. There's a whole lot of messes in this room. Can I get a witness in the name of Jesus? We like to say life is messy. Everyone is welcome. Anything's possible with God. All right, let, let me challenge you. You, you. you are in chair one. You don't know Jesus in a personal way. Stick around for four weeks. Stick around for, for a month. And I guarantee you, your life's going to change. Your life's going to change when you start feasting at the table. God will reveal himself. Just hang out here. God's going to reveal himself to you and change your life. Chair one should make up a third of any biblical functioning church. Did you hear me? Chair one should make up a third. That means there should be a lot of messes without God cleaning up yet. It should make up a third of a Bible-believing church that's on the go. Right here, right now, in this church, there should be a third of the people who come here that doesn't know Jesus. That means we are inviting them through the aroma of the bread of life to come join us at the table. I believe we have that. Here's what we'll mess you up about Christianity. Faux faiths. Everybody who says they're a believer will say, I want to reach people. I want everybody to come to Christ. But you know what I've discovered? I've discovered everybody wants to reach people until you start reaching people. I've discovered because when you start reaching people, you have to change. You have to get outside of your comfort zone. You have to be comfortably uncomfortable to reach people because people come with a lot of messes and it makes church messy. So I've learned a lot of faux faith. Oh, there's a, there's a lot of clean tables around this community. There's a lot of places you can go and you don't have to worry about messes. I love it just about every week. Turn your ears off. Yes, the pastor may say something. You may. I love it when someone comes up and says, that was a hell of a sermon today, pastor. Some of you are shocked. I just said that people say it in the lobby all the time. I'm not going to tell you it was a deacon, but it was, but we're working on him. My point is, is we act so shocked when messes come to the table. But that's what we want. That's why Jesus died. That's what the bread is all about. You have a mess. Others have a mess. And this seems to be the only hour that's segregated and the only hour where it's not okay to be not okay. I rebuke that because the table's for everyone. I'm so thankful we're comfortably uncomfortable at this church. We've changed so much in four years. We've changed services. We've changed how the chairs are set. We've changed colors on the wall. We've changed so much. We've changed things all over the place. 
I'm so thankful we're comfortable. I'm glad we are a chair one church. But it's not just chair one. Chair one would be those people far it's not just chair one. Chair one would be those people far away from God who has never, ever made a decision. We go from chair one, and then let's say this is chair two over there. We're also a chair two church. One third of your church should be chair one, and one third of your church should be chair two. What happens? How do I go from chair one to chair two? How do I do that? You, you pray You give your life to Jesus, you feast on the bread, you become a brand new believer, you are born again. I love that term, born again. There's a new birth in you. Chair one becomes chair two. And this is strategic nature, the philosophy of moving, of progressing. You're born again into the family of God. We teach you how to pray We teach you to read your Bible. We want you to get baptized. November, we're having baptism Sunday. Get baptized. That's your next step. You see, it's simple. A lot of people make it complex. I didn't say that it was shallow. I said it was simple. Going from chair one to chair two, the progression is simple. You didn't believe, you believe. Then you believe, then you move on, you move on. I'm so thankful. Here's the path. Here's the progression. Here's the journey. We give an opportunity for you to make a faith decision. I went on a mission trip. I wasn't involved as the prep for the mission trip, and I found out one of the people who've been coming for a long time, name is Jeff, a friend of mine, is on the mission trip. I'm going to embarrass him. He's sitting right there, but he doesn't mind it. On that mission trip, I said, what in the world? What are you doing? He goes, I don't know, but I figured it'd be fun. And when we get together, we have fun. And I watched and heard. And then last week in the second service, I have someone come to me that went on the trip and said, hey, Jeff wants you to call him. I'm like, what's wrong with Jeff? I called Jeff. I said, Jeff, are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. And, and you got to understand Jeff's personality. You just, man, chill. I'm okay. I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm going to chill. I just want to tell you something. Second to the last night on this mission trip, I, I gave my life to Christ. He came from religion to relationship in Christ on the mission trip. He went from chair one to chair two. That's a good time to let him know, since he's in here, how happy we are that he did that. The Bible says when you become a believer, we are born again. You have probably heard that before. We are born again. We are born into the family of God. It is interesting to think about physical maturity. We just mature physically. I mean, we just grow through the high chair stage. We grow through being a toddler. We grow through being a teenager. We grow through the single life. Then we get married and have kids. When I had kids, I didn't go around and say, look at me, I had kids. Look at me, I'm mature. Look at me, procreation. That would be weird. It's weird me saying it right now. Don't nod your head, do it out there. Be a good church member and talk behind my back. No, I'm just kidding. How do we mature? What does it mean to be a mature believer? To move from chair to chair three. I'll tell you in just a second, but but I want to introduce you to a chair before we go to chair three. It's called the high chair or the eye chair. All of us spent time in the high chair growing up, right? 
And spiritually speaking, all of us spend time in the high chair. We've all spent time here. We're toddlers. We're teenagers spiritually. We don't expect you to act mature until you become mature. Hear, hear this. This is what happens to many. Many people, they remain in the high chair. They never grow out of the high chair spiritually. They just become the eye chair. I, 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 I. I don't like this. I don't like this. We should do this. We should do that. I, 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 I. I don't say, oh, people get to say, I, 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 I. Oh, this was song with I, 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 I. He said, Pastor, you're passionate about that. Yes, I am. I. The eye chair. Here, here's how you know someone who's not growing spiritually when you hear someone saying, I'm not getting fed. Just realize you're talking to someone who's in the high chair. That, that, that's the saddest thing I've ever heard in my life. You can't feed yourself. It just got real up in here, didn't it? You can't pick up a fork. You can't feed yourself. Just realize if someone's saying that to you, just say the Christian term, bless your heart, and move on. The high chair. The high chair. You, you mean that's got to be one of the saddest things I've ever heard in my life. I'm not getting fed. If you ever hear that, you're talking to someone sitting in this chair. I need more. I've got to have more. I would go, but my friends aren't there. You're talking to a baby. And that's okay. We love babies. We love teenagers spiritually. We love adults spiritually. We love everybody. But just know, you haven't made it out of the high chair. It's all about you. I understand that. It's a stage you go through. It's a stage all toddlers go through. It's all about them. All about their toys and everybody else's toys. What happens when you're a child? Mom and dad, my friend gets to do this. Have you ever had a teenager? It had happened in my home because I, I prepped them for that, but I've had teenagers come when I was a student pastor. Uh, pastor Mark, I'm joining the military. I'm tired of my parents telling me what to do. <laughs> Sounds like a Christian in a high chair. In a high chair. Well, they don't have curfew, so I'm leaving. Their allowance is five times more than mine. I'm going over there. You're dealing with a bunch of babies. If a third of this church is non-believers and a third of this church is new believers, then somebody's got to be mature believers to help grow those. You know the Amber Alert? Amber Alert, that's the most annoying sound. Wow, they want to get your attention. That's serious stuff. An Amber Alert is serious. Someone's missing. You know what I like to think about when that Amber Alert analogy? What if an Amber Alert went off every baby Christian of every kid Christian was kidnapped by another church or movement? Oh, I get it. You're going to leave the house where you accepted Christ. I get it. You'll leave the house where you got married. I get it. You'll leave the house where you serve. I, oh, I get it. I get it. I get it. Oh, I do. Really. We don't expect you to act mature until you become mature. Hebrews 
6, 1 says, Therefore, let us leave the elementary teaching about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works, faith in God. So we're paused so often on puberty. We have people paused on puberty spiritually. Let's go over to Luke. Luke 14, 28 says, For which of you wanting to build a tower doesn't first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? That's what Jesus said. So here's what happens. Little babies in the high chair. Here's your pacifier. Maybe they grow up, become kids, teenagers. They count the cost going to chair three, and then they make it to chair three. We hope you make it to chair three, to spiritual maturity. A third of the church is spiritual maturity. And so these people, they count the cost. Let me give you those costs. There's a relational cost. It's following the Lord. I'm having sex outside of marriage, and the Bible says from cover to cover that sex is for the marriage. The people I run with, I mean, my best friends aren't really believers. See, there's a relational cost when you look at Scripture. There's a relational cost to be a mature believer. There's a relational cost to get out of the high chair stage and the the teenager stage spiritually. There's a relational cost when you get in chair three. The people who are sitting in this room right now, the 20%, the chair three people sit in this room, and they've paid a price. They've paid a relational cost. They've paid a cost where they've lost friendships. They've paid a cost where they've lost things in life because they said, I choose growing, feasting on the bread of life in Jesus more than I choose the things of the world. And I'm going to bring people to the table. And if it costs me something, I'm going to, so be it, eat at the table. There's a time cost. Time. I know people, they say they're Christians. They say it, yet they come to church once every six weeks. I'm sorry. There's a difference in knowing God and feasting on God's word with God's people. There's a time cost. There's a time cost to reach people. And then lastly, there's a financial cost. There's something called the tithe. Oh, my word. Money. The pastor just said money. But wait, wait a minute. I'm getting to a stage where I have children out of high school. I have teenagers. I have friends. We go out to eat, and everybody always sticks me with the bill. Can I get a witness? Anybody in this room? Come on, now's your time. Sticks me with the bill. I, all of a sudden, you know, we talk about equality and all those things. We sit at a restaurant, and why does the waiter or waitress always lay the tray by me? Come on. You know what I did? I looked at that. I saw the bill the other day and I said, no way. I'm not paying this. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of eating at this restaurant and them sending me a bill. You know what I did? I looked at my family and I said, I want you to get up. Get up right now. Don't look at anybody. Walk out the door. We're walking the check. We walk the check. I got arrested. I'm just kidding. None of that happened. We don't give you a bill at church. We'll give you a bill, but God tells us to give. We work hard. We give, we give our lives, and 20% of these people give their lives, and maybe you're one of them. Do you think when our kids were babies, they had a concept of how much money we spent on them? Do you think when they were teenagers, they stopped and said, wow, mom and dad, you provide so well. I'm so happy that you paid the electric bill this month in the name of Jesus. 
I am not going to ask you for a pair of Nikes. I want to go to Payless Shoe Store today. Because I realize the sacrifice that you make. If you have a teenager like that, can you bring them to my home? No. What does that happen? It takes someone that's going to be responsible and mature and understand there's people behind us that aren't as mature as us, and they need us to be spiritually mature. They need us to get along. They need us to not worry about one little thing that's out of place. They need us to keep feasting on the bread of life ourselves and helping feed the spiritually immature so they become mature, so they can be more than 20% that carries the load, so that we can shine the light in places not just in Fishers, but in Hawville and all over the world. It takes spiritual people to do that. Chair three, moving from chair to chair. So when you move from chair to chair, what do you do? There's three things. We're eventually going to end because people are going to walk in for this next service. Number one, here's what you do. Here's how to know your, your chair three person. You share. You share your faith. You see the beautiful ecosystem of sharing faith. We don't just say we go to church. We actually share our faith. The third should be in chair three. You share your faith. You're engaging. You're inviting. You're having strategic conversation. You're actually choosing to go places so that you can be a light. You share. Then you serve. You get outside of yourself. You see here in chair one, it's all about me. In chair two, you're like, wow, maybe it's not all about me. In chair three, you start serving because you're getting mature. And man, you realize it's all about others. It's not about me. John 4, 34 says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. To finish his work. There's a work that only he can do, yet there's a work that only you can do and I can do. And I love the work at Hamilton Hills. Hey, I love the fact that chair three that you've invited so many people to church, 839 people in 12 months have walked through the doors that we know of. I love, thank you for volunteering. I want to thank all those 20% of people in our church, hundreds of people every month for volunteering. In fact, let's give them all a hand right now. Let's give yourself a hand for being chair three. But how about you as we start this sermon series? What are you doing? Where are you sitting? Are you walking the check? You're not using your ability, your gifts. Are you always too busy for the work of the Lord? Oh, I I do this, but look, giving physically doesn't mean giving financially goes away. Doesn't mean it. Are you just sitting at the table waiting to get fed? Hebrews 5.14 says, but solid food is for the mature, for those whose senses have been trained to distinguish between good and evil. What about the table? Don't you get the table? The table. There's people here that need to be fed. There's people that need to smell the aroma of Jesus in you. There's people that need you to get involved. There's people that need you to go from chair two to chair three. There's people that need you to tell them. Someone's dying for you to tell them about Jesus. That coworker is dying for you to tell them. Jesus sent you to strategic places on ball fields and gyms and soccer fields and all over our community to tell people about the aroma of Jesus Christ. Yes, you. Yes, everyone in this room. Yes, you. We all feast at this table, at this table. What are you doing? I mean, what are you doing? Are you in chair one? 
you're in chair one because you were drawn to the aroma of the bread. Isn't it time to make that decision for Christ? Isn't it time to trust in him? Isn't it time to realize you're not enough and he is? Isn't it time for you to go from chair one to to chair two? Chair two and you start growing, you start believing. How many of you getting baptized? Going public with your faith, sharing your faith that you are in a relationship with Jesus. Then chair three. You're in a high chair. You decide to move and mature and to help us continue to grow. Well, I'm just not getting fed. No, you should be feeding yourself by now. You should be serving, helping carry the load. Look, we're not done here. You say, Pastor Mark, what's the purpose of us coming to Hamilton Hills? What's the purpose of this generosity challenge? What's the purpose of this sermon series? The purpose is as we go into the holiday season to realize the church is the table. It's not perfect. It has dings. It has marks. It has uh, cleanups from messes. It has things on it that that I don't even want to tell you because you would never touch the table again with kids. It has all kinds of things going on at the table. And that's what a church should be to reach our community, to let people realize it's okay not to be okay. But when you leave here and you eat, you will be okay. Because you're feasting at the table. Would you stand with me right where you're seated? Just stand. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you made a decision or would like to know more about us, you can connect with us at hamiltonhillschurch.org or via social media at Hamilton Hills Church. Also, if our church has impacted you in any way and you would like to make a donation, you can do so by going to hamiltonhillschurch.org slash give. We hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time on the Hamilton Hills Church Podcast.